Come on, let's give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord praise for Lady Carolyn. Prophetess Lady Carolyn. Come on, give the Lord praise for her. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you, Lord, for the season that we're in. We thank you, Lord, for the open door that stands open for this house, for this congregation. You opened the door, Lord, in the month of August, starting with Bishop Johnson. And the humongous blessing you gave them out of nowhere regarding a new place. It was a sign in this house of a season of open doors. And we thank you, Lord, for open doors throughout this house. We thank you, Lord, for doors that are going to open, Lord, as a result of what took place this morning. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for the mind of Christ to come upon us. And we thank you, Lord, for breakthroughs in every family present. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord praise this morning. Amen. Come on, give Jesus praise. I believe you may be seated. I wanted to wonder, I just wanted to give this word to you. The Lord says that you're in a season. Um, you're in a season where he's moving you from just being a worshiper into a worship warrior. And the Lord says, this worship warring will involve you moving dynamically in evangelism. The Lord says he's going to drop words of knowledge, words of wisdom inside of your heart. And the Lord says you're going to be compelled by the Holy Ghost to give it. And I see you bringing them in the house. Be it man or woman, the Lord says he has anointed you in this season to bring the harvest in. And though it's not the major thing you've been asking God for, but the Lord says, follow him on this journey and watch and see what the end will be. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise again. Amen. I believe one of the greatest things that we can do in this season, and I believe God is renewing this, is a time of honor. I took the time last night of writing down the job of an apostle. Some of you don't know all the ministry that Bishop Johnson does. It's like it's 24 hours for him because the phone is ringing and there are leaders from around the nation and around the world looking to him. And that's one of the reasons why in the month of November, we're going to celebrate and honor Bishop Johnson for 75 years of being alive, amen. And not only that, for 50 years of ministry. And we're going to do it in a grand way. Amen. But what are some of the things that Bishop Johnson does? He's one that envisions the future. 
He builds for the future through the powers of the age to come. He's a man whom the spirit of wisdom and understanding rests upon as a master builder among pastors and leaders. He is a faithful emissary of the King of Kings, empowered to represent the interest of the Lord Jesus Christ. He walks in a fathering anointing that produces fathers and mothers in the gospel. He is a contender of the faith. He is one who with all of his heart, he contends for the faith, guarding, guarding the purity of the truth of the word of God. He's one who will address error in a second for the sake of the sheep that God has entrusted to his care. He's a foundation layer. He is an apostle who produces apostles. And he's a builder in this house. We belong together. We have a common root and destiny and mission that we are fulfilling by Jesus Christ through the senior overseer of this house. Bishop Johnson and Lady Carolyn. I want you to give them a hand this morning for all they do. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise for them. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, give the Lord praise for them. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I believe the more we do this, honor them sometimes we grow familiar and when we grow familiar the honor dissipates but when the honor dissipates the anointing dissipates and what God can do through his vessel begins to dissipate but this is a season where God wants to to renew honor and one of the ways I believe God is doing this one of the ways is through the upcoming couples detox. Now the reason why I think this is so important, I'm an avid researcher and I've been looking for all the thought leaders regarding marriage, regarding family, and right now, there are more secular thought leaders about marriage and family than men and women of God. Very few focus on marriage and family. And so the Lord has placed this upon Bishop Johnson's heart to relay again foundational teaching about marriage and family. Amen. Not just information, but there's an impartation. See, the problem is that for some of us, the tendency, if we grow familiar with that anointing, then we don't esteem that grace. 
And the reason why it's important that we esteem that grace, because the Lord wants to raise up a company of leaders in this church who will become his hands and feet to touch every person in Metro Atlanta and beyond Metro Atlanta, all throughout Georgia. So a question was asked regarding how many thought leaders are there on family and marriage. And I believe with all my heart from Bishop Johnson, there's going to emerge out of this church men and women who will do what he does in terms of family and marriage. How many of you are candidates for that? Just let's see by the raising of your hands. Just raise your hands. You believe that God has put that on you to touch families. Amen. So don't worry about it if you got the, the knowledge. Bishop can equip you. We just need to know who's been called. Come on, let me see those hands. There we go. There we go. Yeah, yes. He needs to see those hands. I, yes, we see you. We see you. Amen. At any given time, I've been married now. Man, I was telling everybody I've been married for 39 years. It's, it's been 38 years. Praise God. And I've been married for 38 years. Last night, it was crazy in my house. Um, and I, sometimes you can take it for granted when you can laugh together. There was nobody else in the house. It wasn't kids making us laugh, but we found something so funny last night. And my God, we both was tickled. <laughs> and um, it had to do with this lady uh, who uh, was bringing, she, she thought that she was bringing packages in the house that her husband didn't know she had. And what happened, as she was bringing the packages in, he had one of those, her husband had a phone that when someone brings a package on the door, he could see it. And the phone clicked right there. And she said, doggone it. But I want to ask you, how many of you as husbands and wives, you know, you sneak stuff in the house, amen. I'm not going to look up. I'm not going to look up. <laughs> last, night, last night, Jane disclosed to me her secret. Amen, praise God. <laughs> she disclosed her secret. But anyway, I, I, won't, I won't share it, Jane. I'm quite sure you're the only female in here with, with that one. Amen. But anyway... Um, at any given time, at any given time, I, I've learned this, every marriage is navigating through a season or a transition. Every marriage, you're either navigating through a season or a transition. And sometimes when you don't have adequate knowledge and understanding the enemy will take advantage of that transition that you're walking in. And many marriages are damaged by that. And one of the things that will take place in this couple's detox, you're going to learn how to navigate through the present season you're in. Amen. Some of you are in a winter season. 
But that winter season is going to break forth into a spring season. And lastly, the other thing I want to say, just like teachers and doctors, IT personnel, mechanics, we all have to receive updates in our training. Marcus, do you, do you have to get updated in your training? Do they? Yeah. And what happens if you don't, what happens if you don't update your computer? What happens? It won't function. There you go. Function correctly. So why everybody of every profession, all software needs an update. What about our marriages needing an update? How many of you would say my marriage needs an update? Now, if your hand ain't up, that means you're super. Amen. That means you, you're, you're in the God category. Praise God. I mean, amen. But let me see those hands. Amen. Let me see again. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. So what's going to happen? We're all going to receive updates from the Lord for our marriages and for our family. So I want to admonish each and every one of you to register. Don't let the devil distract you. Do it today. Do it now. And not only that, how many of you know some couples who need help? How many of you know some couples that need help? So that means that you need to take on the posture of a missionary and become an urban missionary and begin to win those. And you know something? For some of you, those of you who are doing the prayer three, guess what? It's your time right now to start inviting them. You got to do more than pray. You got to do the work of inviting. You got to do the work of relationship building and begin to bring them in. The word I, I have this morning is a word from Bishop Johnson's message from this past, um, from this past week. Bishop Johnson talked about the blessing of Abraham. In the book of Galatians, the third chapter, the 15th verse, it says, Jesus, our Messiah, was cursed in our place and in so doing dissolved the curse from our lives so that all the blessings of Abraham, say, say that all the blessings of Abraham could be poured out upon every non-Jewish believer. And now God gives us the promise of the wonderful Holy Spirit who lives within us when we believe in him. Do you know that there are more than 66 promises, Abrahamic promises, that belongs to you and I? He says, Jesus became the curse so that the blessing of Abraham would come on us. Now, I'm not going to read all 60 blessings of Abraham, but I have them written right here. A couple of those blessings is that he says, I, the Lord spoke to Abraham and said, I will show you the land. I will make you a great nation. I will bless thee. I will make your name great. How many of you want your name to be great? He says, thou shall be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee. I, I will curse them that curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Then he turns around again and says, I will give you the land to your seed forever. 
And in one instance, they say, I will be your shield and your exceeding great reward. And one of the things I love about this, he says, you would be buried at a good old age. That's, I'm talking about the blessings of Abraham. He says, oh man, he says, I will multiply thee exceedingly. My covenant is with you. Thou shalt be a father of many nations. Thou shalt be a mother. He says, Sarah, you're going to be a mother of many nations. Look to the female next to you and say, you're going to be a mother of many nations. And if a man is sitting next to you, say to him, he's going to be a father of many nations. Come on, say it one more time. He says, I will make nations of thee. He says again, I will give all the land of Canaan to you and to your seed. And, and as you go through all the blessings of Abraham, he keeps talking about land. I want to give you land. I want to give your children land. Abraham walked in so much blessing that Ishmael, who was not the promise, Ishmael, who was not the promise, everything that came from him, God caused it to multiply. He said of Ishmael, I shall bless Ishmael, and 12 princes shall come from thee. He was on the edge. <laughs> come on, saints. I'm so reminded of the word of the Lord that came to Bishop Johnson years ago about him being an Abraham, a father. But one of the keys for Abraham is that God had to get Abraham to see himself the way he saw him. When God said to Abraham, I will make you a father of many nations, he actually was declaring, I want to make you a world changer. And what he said about Abraham, he says about you and I. I want you to tell the, the person next to you, you are a world changer. The essence of generational transfer was conferred to Abraham. There's something that God wants to transfer to the next generation from us. That's one of the reasons why this whole message about family is so important. Man, I was messed up when I saw this in Romans, the fourth chapter. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. God said that he would be an heir of the world. And an example of being an heir of the world, we see it with Joseph. He became the most powerful man on earth, and it was because of that covenant. Now, what messed with me is that the blessing of Abraham was about family. It's about family blessing. It's about family perpetuity. You cannot be a father and mother of nations where kings come from you without the domain of family. It cannot happen. It has to happen through family. 
There are so many churches talking about the blessing of Abraham, but they're not talking about the container of the blessing. The container of the blessing is not the person, it's the family. It wasn't Isaac just being blessed, it was his family. It wasn't just Jacob being blessed, it was his family. I think we're missing it when it comes to prophetic words about Goshen. Somebody asked the question, when are we gonna talk about Goshen? The activator or catalyst for building Goshen was the Abrahamic blessing. It had to do with preserving the family. So God sent Joseph. Now, we're going to fast track. We're in Genesis, the 18th chapter. Abraham was out there walking. I need, Jane, I need my um, iPad. Abraham was out there walking, and three angels came to him. Now, one of the things I do know about angels, contrary to popular belief, angels, some angels do have wings. But most angels, when they come here on earth, they don't have wings. The Bible says, be careful. You may entertain angels unaware. Hebrews 13, 2. And so, these angels came up to Abraham. And I want to say this because in this season of open doors, angels are involved in divine connections. When, when, you, when you're walking and you, see, I, under, I told somebody, every time I run into a, a person from Metro who used to be here, I said, you know this wasn't by coincidence. I said, it wasn't by coincidence. Some of you need some divine connections. Finding a husband and wife is a divine connection. Finding that right partner for your business is a divine connection. Finding that person who, who will be the person that uh, convey the blessing of your house. That's a divine connection. Sometimes we're looking for money when God wants to give you a divine connection that leads you to the money. Angels are involved in provision. Angels are involved in provision. Man, when Lady Carolyn was up here ministering, there were two of you where I, I, two of you I saw, I, I, I saw, I, I, I saw substance, substance, being released. I, it was like I saw wings all around you and the Lord bringing blessing. It was two of you. That I saw that. And some of you who were standing up here, the reason why the blessing hasn't come is because of the lack of agreement. I saw the words agreement, 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 agreement. And then I saw a serpent. I saw a serpent. And the, and the Lord says, you don't realize the arguments you're having. 
that, 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 that wall, that, that wall you can't conquer in your marriage, that division that, you, that you, you don't understand, the reason why you fuss all the time, the reason why you fight all the time is because a snake is sleeping in your bed. A snake is in your house. A snake is speaking to you. A serpentine demon is speaking to you. And God is saying, you got to kick that devil out of your house. And when you kick that devil out of your house, what God wants to release to you will come to you and it will come with haste. The other thing about angels, they do not draw attention to themselves. They prefer to act in the background. But on this particular day, the angels came to Abraham. Man, that, th that thing fascinates me. He's out there and the angels come up there and he discerns that these are angels and that they came from the Lord. And they were here on mission. Read the 18th chapter. It's fascinating. And the first thing God does with Abraham, he speaks to him by his marriage. And he asked the question, the angels asked the question, where is Sarah? Where is your wife? Now, if the marriage wasn't important, why would God send an angel to say, where is your wife? There are people who are breaking up because of irreconcilable differences. That is not biblical, that's demonic. If you stay married long enough, you will feel like it's that <laughs> But sometimes when it's, you feel like it's irreconcilable, it's because you're not listening to the other person. It's because you're selfish. It's because you're thinking about your own interests. It's, it's, it's because you're trying to, to live your marriage. You're trying to do what mama did in her marriage or what daddy did in the marriage. And it's not working in your marriage because it's not kingdom oriented. I am so tempted to say this to uh, somebody, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to say it to you silently. But, um, and so Abraham, you know, Abraham asked, well, why would God ask Abraham the question? Because Abraham put an offense in his wife's heart. Because he said to the king, she's not my wife, she's my sister. And the king was about to sleep with her. And God smote the household with, with sickness. But you need to know something. Her heart, her heart was damaged from that. Her heart was damaged from the fact that he let her make a bad decision. She suggested to him, hey, she, she suggested, I, I let my maid come in and she sleep with you. She wasn't expecting him to say, how to do it uh, real quick. And, and, and he said, okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he went in and gave birth to Ishmael. Oh, man, he brought trouble in that house. Where is Sarah? Y'all know Abraham had to get agreement in that situation. They had to have a conversation. They had to have a conversation. No wonder the word of God say that the prayers of a man can be hindered by the way he treats his wife. 
I remember the time when I was acting up and God said to me, oh yeah, I did. Oh my God. I remember when I was acting up and God said, before she was your wife, she's my daughter. And that put the fear of God in me. Because I didn't want to hear what he had to say. It was, it was borderlining on being, being audible. It, it, it came with... How you, you know when you, your dad is talking and you feel like something getting ready to happen? It was, it was like that. But anyway, Abraham got it together. And then the angel spoke... <laughs> About this time next year, you're going to have a baby. This time next year, you're going to have a baby. This time next year, you're going to have a baby. This time next year, you're going to have a baby. This time next year, you're going to have a baby. And he spoke that, and Sarah was back. <laughs> and the angels, the angels said, are you laughing? She said, no. And then when he, he was getting ready to walk away, he said, yes, you were laughing. <laughs> Oh my God, you gotta read this, man. This is, you gotta read the drama in the Bible. So, in 19, chapter 19, this is fast version. Yep. I promise you won't be disappointed. I'm trying to, I had the Bible up. Here we go. Now, we look at the chapter 19. Now, God, the, the angels finished talking to, to Abraham. And, and so that evening, two angels came to Sodom while Lot was sitting at the city's gate. When Lot saw, now, now you got to understand what happened. God spoke to Abraham. I wrote it down here. I'm just, I'm trying to something here here we go he said in Genesis the 18th chapter the 17th verse and the Lord said shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do and Abraham began to receive revelatory insight that God was getting ready to destroy the city the two cities where his family members were living God was getting ready to smoke this place. And Abraham started, he, he began to be moved like many of us for our families. And Abraham began to bargain. He began to uh, make an appeal to God. He said, what if he pledged, he said, Lord, what if there are 50 righteous in the city? And there were not 50 righteous. He said, what if there are 45? What if there are 40? What if there are 30? What if there are 20? What if there are 10? I think had he gone down to five, God would have hurt him, but he stopped at 10. But he was pleading for his family. He was gripped. Now, you know, you have to understand, Lot messed up before. Bishop Johnson talked about his first mess up because choosing to go in that direction. And now you have a family member who messes up again. But Abraham was convicted 
in his heart. How many of you, the Lord was speaking to me. He says, we've been praying for our families and some of you have been so focused on your own house. I've been moving inside of your family. I've been saving some of your, your cousins, some of your, your, some of your nieces and nephews. I, I'm, I'm moving on your behalf. And so next, we go to chapter 19. That evening, two angels came to Sodom while Lot was sitting at the city gateway. When Lot saw them, he got up to meet them, bowed with his face to the ground, and he said, please, my Lord, come to your servant's house to spend the night and wash your feet. Then you can rise early and go on your way. These angels said, no, they answered, we will be fine to spend the night in the town square. But Lot was so insistent, they finally agreed to go to his house. Lot had unleavened bread baked for them, prepared a feast, and they ate. But before they retired for the night, the men of the city, the men of the city, men young and old, and from every part of the city of Sodom, to the last man surrounded the house. And they shouted out to Lot, where are the men who came to your house tonight? Bring them out so that we can have sex with them. Lot went outside, shutting the door behind him and said to them, no, my brothers, I beg you, do not sink into such depravity. He says, look, I have two virgin daughters. I bring them out to you and you can do with them as you please. Only do not do anything to these men for they are guests in my house. And then they said, get out of our way, they replied. This guy comes as a foreigner to live among us, and now he dares to judge us. We will inflict more harm on you than on them. Just then, they lunged at Lot and tried to break down the door. But the two angels reached out and pulled Lot safely back into the house and bolted the door. They struck the men outside the house, young and old, with a blazing flash of light that blinded them so that they could not find the door. There's something to that about the door. Then the visitor said to Lot, who else lives here? Do you have any other family here, sons and daughters, sons-in-law, daughters-in-law who live in Sodom? Get them out of the city because we're about to destroy this place. A tremendous outcry against the people came before Yahweh. He has sent us here to destroy it. So Lot went to find the two men who were pledged to marry his daughters and told them, hurry, leave the city, for Yahweh is about to destroy it. But they thought he was only joking and paid him no attention. At dawn, the angels urged Lot. Now get this. The angels urged Lot saying, go, take your wife and your two daughters. Leave now or you will be consumed in the judgment that's about to come to the city. But Lot hesitated. 
So the angels grabbed his hands and the hands of his wife and daughters and brought them outside of the city. The reason why the angels, the reason why, the reason why the angels reached in and pulled them out. The reason why he did it, it was because Abraham had been praying. It was because of Abraham's intercession. It was because of his intercession that angels reached and pulled out. And I'm telling you right, I'm telling you right now, because of our intercession, because of your intercession, God is releasing his angels and they're going to pull them out. They're going to pull them out. And once they were safely outside the city, the angel said to them, run for your life. Don't stop anywhere in the plain until you have reached the mountains. Don't even look back or you will die. Lot replied, oh no, my lords. You have been so gracious to your servant. I hope I didn't hurt your arm. I hurt your arm. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But anyway, you've been so gracious to your servant, and you've been so kind to save our lives. But I can't make it. He said, I can't make it to the mountains. It's so far from here, disaster will overtake us. See, the problem was Lot did not want to leave Sodom. It's so far from here, disaster will overtake me, and I die. Look over there, there's a village close enough to run, and it's a small one. Let me escape there. You can't see that it's such a small village. Let my life be spared. And they said, all right, I will grant this request, and when I, I will not destroy that village. Notice the reason why he wouldn't destroy that village, because Lot was part of Abraham's family. Now you must hurry, run to that village, for I can't do anything until you're there. Why couldn't he destroy the city? He says, I couldn't do anything until you are there. It was because of Abraham's intercession. Now, guess who's been blessed with the blessing of Abraham? We said this at the beginning. He became the curse so that we might be what? Blessed with the, the blessing of Abraham. By mid-morning <laughs> at the small village of Zar, God rained fire from heaven and it fell upon Sodom and Gomorrah. He completely destroyed the cities of the plain, all the inhabitants, what, what, whatever they grew in the valley. But Lot's wife turned around. They said, don't look back. And she turned back and she turned into a pillar of salt because she looked back. She wanted to go back. And so she, because she wanted to go back, God gave her what she wanted. She had one more glance and she turned into salt. That morning, Abraham hurried back to the place where he stood before the Lord, looking down toward all the land of the grand plan. And he saw columns of smoke coming up from Sodom and Gomorrah. 
So before God destroyed the cities of the plain where Lot had settled, he remembered his affection for Abraham and spared Lot from all destruction. Some of us have some family members who are way out there. And God is saying, if you pray for them, if you intercede for them, I will move on your behalf for them. Now, I won't go to the other part because the other part, once Lot got outside the city, his daughters said, there are no men. So they got him drunk and committed incest. One slept with him one night and another slept with him another night. And one of the girls was called, one of the girl's sons was called Moab. But know the mercy of God. The extent of Abraham's intercession. Because from Moab came Ruth and from Ruth came David. God was looking down the line. The power of intercession. The power of your prayers. The power of your prayers. Are you blessed with the blessing of Abraham? Now, this is the instructions the Lord gave me. Last week, Bishop Johnson gave us instructions. And I don't know how many of you heard him. We are in... It's a good thing losing weight. Um, but Bishop Johnson said something last week, and, I, and again, this is what familiarity does. It'll make you say, oh, Bishop, just saying this. Or he said this before. This is a time, saints, that we must war with the table of the Lord. This is a time that we must war with the table. Don't go through the motions and go through it like you're going to. You got to mix faith with it. Over the promises of God. And the interesting thing about it, when you take the table of the Lord, you got you to make sure everything is all right between you and the person you're taking the table with. That's a requirement, saints. This is a season we must war with the blood of Jesus. This is a season when the dragon from the east is facing the west. And the authority and power to subdue darkness has to do with the application of the blood of Jesus over your house and over your family. Your, com your comings and goings, declaring Psalms 91 over your house and over your seed in this season, over your city, over your neighborhood. This is a time for war, not to be afraid, because we are sons and daughters of Abraham and the blessings of the Lord. But many times we do not walk in the blessing of Abraham. Because we do not move in the faith of Abraham. God answered Abraham's prayer. He was, made, he was counted righteous. 
Not because he did everything right, but it was because of his faith. Some of us, our families are held captive by iniquities and generational curses. Generational curses is the predisposition and inclination towards a particular sin that is passed down within the bloodline. King David said, I was shaping in iniquity. Look at Lot's daughters. They stayed in the city. They resorted to incest because the father placed his family there. What the Lord put in my heart, along with our praying, and contending for our families. The Lord will have us to really take a look at our families and our bloodlines, really take a look because our families are as sick as our secrets. Our families are as sick as the secrets in our family. And that's where the demons live. I'm not saying you got to bring everything out here, but I'm saying the Lord wants us to look at our families, to examine our families. In some of our families, there are issues of trauma, trauma that open the door for all manner of wickedness that's never been addressed, but it's been a secret. And no matter how much praying takes place because healing has not come in that area. The enemy traffics in and out. What's, what is the hidden sins in your family? When you look at your family, what is the major captivity of your family? The Lord gave me a list. Number one, woundedness from rape and molestation in your family. Some of us, man, have rape and incest and all types of stuff hidden in the bloodline and it's never been addressed. Someone has to go before the Lord and apply the blood of Jesus on behalf of the sin that took place in that area. Stubbornness is a, an iniquity. Stubbornness is as the sin of witchcraft. And for some of us, some of us, our families, man, stubbornness is just as wicked as, as uncleanness. Because with stubbornness, stubbornness is that thing, when you know the right thing, you will not. It. You dig in your heels and you will not do it because somebody said it. And for some people, you don't say anything. You don't say no. You don't say I won't do it. You just don't do it. You're passive aggressive, but it is stubbornness. And the thing about it, you cannot learn in the area you're stubborn. Stubbornness is when you make an idol out of your opinion. This thing about stubbornness, stubbornness caused Saul to lose the kingdom. 
Stubborn, Lady Carolyn was speaking to it this morning. Some of you, the stronghold of stubbornness sits on your marriage and it's about to take hold of your children so that they go wild at an appointed age, no matter how much you pray, because you have not faced that spirit of stubbornness, that thing inside of you that makes you dig in your heels and in the face of right and wrong, you will not change your position. You're praying. Yeah, you're praying night and day for your kids. But because you won't repent, you won't deal with that. The thing that keeps you from repenting from stubbornness is the demon of stubbornness itself. And the sad thing about it, it has been in your family for generations. And the Lord wants to say the buck stops with you. Oh, God. Unforgiveness. I don't have to say too much there. Unforgiveness. The reason why unforgiveness is so wicked is because Christ forgave us. And when we don't forgive, we take the grace of God in vain. We take the grace of God because he freely forgives us. He freely forgave us. And now we're on this other side. We won't forgive. I think that's in 2 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. The other, it's a big one, and I'll start with that. There are some others, but I'm going to start with that. Idolatry. The apostle John, the one thing he said, he, the one thing he said as an apostle on his deathbed, he said, little children, keep yourselves from idols. And some of us, man, are worshiping Jesus on Sunday and worshiping another God on Monday and Tuesday. Some of you got, got all the Greek gods. Got, you, you, got, you got astrology in your house. You, 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 you're burning sage over here and, and talking to this spirit over here and, and, and trying to mix it all up. Some of you, you have, you have all manner of idolatry in your bloodline and that's why so many are not able to hear because the spirit of the Antichrist puts, puts uh, 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 blinders on the eyes and causes the ears to not be able to hear. But if you would repent on behalf of your family. Some of you have become a part of secret organizations where they have made covenants with Baal, made covenants with Dagon, made covenants with Baphomet, made covenants with Osiris, made covenants with all these demons, and, and you're wondering why the breakthrough hasn't come. You can't ha be in covenant with God and be in covenant with demons. You cannot eat from the, uh, the table of the Lord and eat from the table of demons. It is idolatry, and the Lord hates idolatry. God destroyed nations because of idolatry. And some of us, man, we got idolatry in our bloodline. I will say the other one. The last one was gluttony. Gluttony was the principal sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know what gluttony means? It means squander. It means waste. 
by always feeling you don't have enough. It means unrestrained desire or desires that are not uncontrol- under control, basically with food. The idea that I'm never satisfied or content. The Bible states in Philippians 3.19, whose end is destruction, who God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things, Philippians 3.19. And then he says in Ezekiel 16.49, Sodom's sins were pride, gluttony, and laziness, while the poor and needed suffered outside her door. I believe the Lord wants us, if this stuff is in our life in this season, he wants us to repent and get our lives clean. clean. It's been really interesting when we pray the uh, prayer three, um, the guys I've been doing the prayer three, not only have we prayed for the couples that we're praying for, but we're praying for ourselves. Praying for ourselves. Praying for ourselves. Then repent on behalf of your family. And then war at intercession and intercession. Take down, take down that principal demon. That thing that's been controlling your family. So that all of them come in. You may have some like Lot. And the interesting thing about Lot, it wasn't because the grace wasn't present to save him. He made a decision to not believe. And sometimes you have people who make decisions to not believe. And unbelief is the worst demon there is. You have to choose to not believe. Let's stand. How many of you are going to war for your family. How many of you know what's in your bloodline? How many of you know what's really in there? And sometimes you got to face it, man. Sometimes it really looks bad when you look at it. But that's what the blood of Jesus is for, my God. I feel real strong about the, the, the couples who are dealing with stubbornness. You need to come. You need to come. And I'm not going to stand here all day, neither. I've done everything I'm supposed to. And I'm going to let Bishop Johnson come. And, and, uh, um, but those of you who know you need to repent, and those of you who know you, you really need God to do something in your family, and you see the issues there, and you want to turn around, let's just raise your hands wherever you are. I think maybe the best thing to do so we can leave, if you would just stand in the aisle and we're going to pray collectively for you. Just stand here in the aisle. I need Bishop's team, if you're present, if you see men and women who are not a part of us, I want you to make sure you get their names so that we can pray for them.
I saw some stuff in my family, man. That thing just, it's not good. <laughs> but the blood of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask Bishop John. shedding of innocent blood Father we come before you right now and we thank you for the grace to bring revolutionary changes in our families I want you to repeat after me Jesus Christ became the curse so that the blessing of Abraham would come upon my house and come upon me and on behalf of my family and on behalf of myself I renounce the shedding the sin of shedding of innocent blood I renounce the sin of abortions I renounce it in Jesus' name, I renounce the immorality, the perversity in my family. I renounce polygamy. I renounce homosexuality. I renounce bestiality. I renounce polygamy. I renounce filth. I renounce lasciviousness. I renounce uncleanness. I renounce pornography. I renounce immorality. I renounce fornication. I renounce adultery. In Jesus' name. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive my family. I renounce unforgiveness. Father, release me from the shackles of pride that will not allow me to forgive because I have seen myself better than the one who offended me. Forgive me for unforgiveness. I release them. In Jesus' name. And where unforgiveness is the ruling power in my family, I renounce it. In Jesus' name. I renounce the spirit of enmity that's ruled over my family. I renounce it in Jesus' name. I renounce division and separation. I renounce contention. I renounce fighting. I renounce fussing. I renounce slander in my bloodline. In Jesus' name. I renounce idolatry. I renounce astrology. 
I renounce Santeria. I renounce, I renounce Santeria. I renounce voodoo. I renounce Freemasonry. I renounce Freemasonry. I renounce Eastern stars. I, I renounce any, any religion that does not call Jesus Lord and Savior. Everything that my family has bowed to that does not declare Jesus is Lord. I renounce it in the name of Jesus. I renounce it in the name of Jesus. I renounce gluttony. I renounce it, Father. So many people in my family, Father, have died from diseases that related to gluttony. I refuse to eat myself to death. I receive grace from you for the control of my diet. Heal every wound in my heart that I've tried to medicate with food. Break the dopamine cycle that I've become accustomed to when I eat. I repent on behalf of my family. And I I'm asking you, Lord, for grace to walk in victory in this area Lord in this season heal my family Lord you know all the secrets you know all the crime that took place in my family you, you've seen, you beheld the stealing, you beheld the killing, you beheld, you beheld the shedding of innocent blood, you, be, you beheld, Lord, the, the gang warfare, Lord, you, you beheld the, the burning of property, you, you beheld, Lord, the, the fighting and all these things that have taken place, the, the, the harming of life, Lord, you beheld it, Lord, and Lord, those who've been suffered, suffered from rape and molestation, those who've been beaten, those who've been beaten, the females in this room who've experienced rape and have never said anything about it. And even in their marriage, the marriage suffers because that wound has never been healed. The men who stand in here, who have been victims of molestation, who've been raped in their childhood, and have never been able to get it right. But Father, we thank you, Lord, that grace is plentiful in this house. Under the leadership of Bishop Johnson, Lady Carolyn, grace is plentiful. And we thank you, Lord, that you will begin to go in those hidden places and heal. As, the, as they are confessed, as, as it is put out in the open with the right people, let the healing begin and let breakthrough occur in every family present. 
in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen.